You're listening to the New Hope Church Podcast. To learn more about what we're doing on the south side of Indianapolis, you can check us out online at becomehope.com. If you like what you're hearing here, be sure you check out one of our companion podcasts. We have a daily devotional podcast called Let's Find Out Together, as well as an apologetics podcast called Salty Saints. Let's listen in as today's talk comes from Jason Kemp. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome. My name is Jason. I'm one of the pastors here at New Hope, and uh, glad that you're here this morning. Welcome if you're tuning in at home today. Uh, it's good to be back with you guys. We've had a, a, certainly a journey as a family, um, just healing and getting back to normal, whatever that is. And uh, But here we are. Glad to be with you all today. Welcome. Um, this morning, we are going to uh, finish up a series that we began in January, talking about our vision moving forward as a church. That leadership has been diving into, what are we doing? As we enter into 2022 and the years beyond, who are we as a church and where are we headed and where are we going and what are we doing? And so we've uh, been crafting what we've called a vision script. It has three big goals, three big ideas that we want to strive for over the next three years. And they happen to align with live, love, and go, which has been our, our mission, our statement of we want to be Jesus in every corner of our culture, and so we want to live, love, and go like Jesus. And so a few weeks ago, Randy taught about live, that when we live, um, we want to be like disciples who are making disciples. We want to be more and more like Jesus each and every day, and this is a life of worship, um, worship isn't just what we do right here on Sunday mornings with music and a band and, you know, we gather together for an hour. This is not the full picture of what worship is. That the full picture of worship is us living like Jesus, loving the things of God so much that we just exude Jesus in our lives. And so that works its way out in spiritual disciplines in our lives each and every day. And then the week after that, Zach taught about love. That God is calling us to love the vulnerable. Love the needy, the poor, the, the broken, the sick, the hurting. And if you notice, as we kind of move through our vision script, things tend to get progressively more uncomfortable. That it's okay to, you know, okay, I can, I can be a disciple. I can love the things. I can worship God with my everyday life. But, oh, it's a little bit messier to start loving people out. You know, when I start getting outside my comfort zone, that gets a little messier. But then today, we're going to be talking about Go. That God is calling new hope to develop an outreach to our community that is relevant to the everyday needs and the spiritual good of our community. So it's not just getting messier, this is getting riskier. So as we move through these levels, this is just getting a little bit riskier. And so what we've said as leadership is that we believe that we will accomplish this through launching a marketplace ministry called the Uncommons as an outreach to the unchurched in our community by, by providing a bridge from the church to our culture. Our role in the uncommons will be characterized by support during the launch phase, such as finances and resources, systems and people. And in addition, New Hope would sustain a continued role in the development events of programs and volunteerism in furthering the vision of the uncommons in the community. And so our goal, our desire is to see New Hope integrated into the long-term activities of the uncommons. And to see a hundred people from, the, from New Hope involved in promoting and developing and leading the Uncommons and to raise $250,000 toward the launch of this ministry in our community. 
And we've been talking about the uncommons for about a year, maybe a little bit more. I've lost track how long it's been. Um, But we've been talking about the uncommons for a good while, what that might be, what that might look like in our community. And we'll be sharing a little bit more of an update, um, I think, in our covenant members meeting here in just a little while. But this morning is less about exactly what we're going to do as the uncommons, but why? Why would we want to devote our time, energy, and effort? Why would we want to risk as a church to do this? For me, the answer is pretty simple. Because Jesus' life and the imprint that his life and his ministry left on the early church, starting new works, planting churches, starting new ministries, things like that, was just part of the DNA of the early church. That the early church never really asked, why, why should we do this? When should we? Should we? Is it this year, next year, 10 years? When, when should we do this? Those were not the questions the early church asked. The early church just simply asked, who is going and in which direction? That stepping out in faith to start new works and share the name of Jesus throughout the empire, throughout everywhere that they could go. They just said, who's going in which direction? I mean, Jesus set up the model of sending out the 72 as part of the ministry. He gave us the great commission of go into all the world, baptizing and teaching. He gave us Acts 1.8 right before he ascended into heaven. He said, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And even if we just look at the life of Paul, I mean, Granted, Paul was a rock star, (laughs) you know, we're we're maybe not going to be as gifted or prolific as Paul in his ministry, but all throughout the book of Acts, it's about where are we going, who's going, who's telling the story of Jesus, and this church was started, and this ministry was started, and this happened, and this happened, and this happened, and this happened. It was part of the DNA of the early church. And so I believe that today God is still calling us as his church to step out in brave faith. And it's easy to get a little bit confused or discombobulated and think, well, but no, I'm I'm really just looking for, for safety and comfort. And I want to illustrate that this morning by a little story of when Donna and I got married um, our first little house was in Kittyquay, Texas, a cute little town in Panhandle of Texas, 423 people. Um, we lived in a church member's little, um, uh, like an efficiency air, uh, apartment, little, little house, maybe like 700 square feet. It wasn't, wasn't big at all, but they were offering it to us for free, and we thought, oh, this is a great deal. We'll commute to school and work, which was 50 miles away, and we were serving at a church there in Kittyquay. And so we, you know, had this this picture of what our first year of marriage was going to look like. And within the first couple of weeks, Donna was getting up early one morning to head to work, and I hear this yelp come out of the bathroom. And so, you know, being the big, strong newlywed husband, I run in there, see what's going on, and inside the shower was a scorpion. Yeah, sorry, I should have given you a little more warning on that. It wasn't huge. It wasn't like the scorpions you see on National Geographic. This was just one of those common brown scorpions in West Texas, about an inch and a half, two inches. It wasn't huge, but at six something in the morning, that is not what you want to be seeing. And so being the loving husband, I rose to the challenge and I bravely vanquished the foe from our bathroom. Yes. And then I went, 
<laughs> I'm going back to bed. So I went and I crawled back in bed and within 10 seconds, I was leaping out of bed with a searing pain going through my back. And I turn around and look in the bed and there's not a scorpion, no, 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 no. It was just an ant, but it hurt. <laughs> so in that situation, in that first instance, bravery, Bravery, okay, we can take care of the scorpion, we're gonna deal with this and we're gonna move on with life. Two minutes later, an ant, and we're talking about safety, uh, I think it was a week, and we moved. <laughs> we decided campus housing is the best solution for us, and so we moved back to where school was at, and um, yeah, and so then we just commuted the opposite direction each and every week. But in that situation, we had bravery and we had safety. And both are a part of our faith, but as we think about safety, in the Bible, most of the time that we see that God is our refuge, God is a strong tower, He is our shelter of which we can run into the shelter of His wings and be safe. Most of that time, God is talking about when there is attack or onslaught or trouble in our lives. For example, Psalm 9-9 says that the Lord is a shelter for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. In Psalm 46-1, it says God is our refuge and strength always ready to help in times of trouble. So safety is very much a part of our faith. When we are being tracked, when we find distress and trouble, God is our refuge and we can find safety in him. But God is also calling us to step out in brave faith. So for example, when you first accepted Jesus as your savior and you thought, you know what? There's something to this guy, Jesus, and you know, he gave his life on a cross and he says, I should give my life to him. That was not a very safe decision. That took bravery on your part. And then to take the next steps and say, you know what, I think I'm gonna be a disciple. You know, I'm gonna give up part of my day. I'm gonna give up part of, you know, who I, you know, the, the goals that I, I want the things of God. Well, that's not a safe decision either. And to take that even a step further and say, well, I'm gonna be a disciple who is also making disciples and I'm gonna share my faith with others. <laughs> that's not safe. So as an organization, as a church, should we be safe when we think about starting new works in the name of Jesus? Moses and the Israelites were on the shore of the Red Sea and they're sandwiched between the sea and the coming Egyptian army. And here's what the Israelites said to Moses. They cried out to the Lord and they said to Moses, why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? It gets whinier. I mean, there, it's, yeah. Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you that this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians, for it's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. That's a glasses half full outlook, right? Moses responds and he says, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Israelites were faced with, you know what? Slavery was a lot more comfortable. It was a lot safer than this. But God had plans for them to move forward was to step out in brave faith. After all that they had seen, after all that they had witnessed, God was calling them to brave faith. What about Gideon in the book of Judges? 
Gideon's the guy who put the fleece out saying, you know, God, is this really true? Are you really on my side? And at one point, God says, all right, you're going to go into battle, and I'm going to give you this battle, and you're 32,000 warriors. It's too many. It's too many. We need to cut that number down. And so God begins a process of whittling out uh, the army to get a smaller number so that they could go to war. That doesn't sound like a good wartime strategy. And so eventually God cuts it down to 300 men, 300 warriors who put a clay pot over a torch and then they put a trumpet in their other hand and they stood in the middle of the night around a hillside surrounding a camp of an army that the Bible says looked like the swarm of locusts. 300 men against that. They crushed the clay pot, played their trumpets, and shouted a sword for the Lord and for Gideon, of which they were not holding a sword. Brave faith. Joshua, who succeeded Moses. Moses wasn't allowed to go into the promised land, right? And so when Moses died, God called Joshua and said, you are to lead my people. I need you to lead them into the promised land. Your days of wandering, they're over. And in Joshua chapter one, in a matter of just four verses, God tells Joshua four different times in four verses, be strong and courageous. Be strong and very courageous. Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Be strong. Be courageous. See, God is calling us to have brave faith, to step out and advance the cause of Christ in our world. It'd be easy to say, you know, I think, I think, you know, we want to go back and we want to retreat into the safety of our churches. We want to find an expression of our faith that's comfortable and, and safe and, and, and we can do church like that. Because there's a lot of churches in our nation who have chosen that path. And in, in the church circles among leadership, we hear excuses like, you know, it's just not the right time. I mean, look at our economy, look at the politics, look at the pandemic, look at, you know, there's excuse after excuse of it's not the right time. Or maybe we just don't even have the time to commit to this. It's going to take so much time, so much effort. Oh my goodness, have you thought about the money, the resources it's going to take, the people? Oh, you know, if we go and start something on the other side of town or another city and people and resources leave, then how, how are we going to grow as a church? It's going to hinder our ability as a church. Or maybe we just don't know how. We don't have the competence. We don't know exactly where we're supposed to go. How, you know, it's just easier not to do it. Or maybe the, an excuse that the community is already saturated with churches. Why do we need another church? I mean, we got, we got three churches, you know, four or five churches right here just in this little square mile of our, you know, our little plot of land. Well, according to Barna and the Pew Research Center and Uh, recent census data and demographic data, I want to give you a a handful of stats to think about. That in the year 1900, 122 years ago, there were 28 churches for every 10,000 Americans. 28 churches per 10,000 Americans. That'd be a lot of people in 28 churches. Today, there's 11 churches per 10,000 Americans. Every year, 3,500 plus churches close their doors. Every year, 3,500 churches close their doors. And of the ones that are still remaining and open, 80 to 85% of those churches on a, on a growth life cycle are in the decline. 
80, almost 85% of churches are in decline. And over the last 20 to 30 years, we've seen data, we've talked about it here in church before, that, that church attendance has been on a rapid decline for the last 20 to 30 years. At one point, 70% of Americans claimed to be churched, claimed to be a part of, of, of religion in America. That number right before the pandemic has dropped to under 50%, 47% of people claim to be a part of a church. And the pandemic has only accelerated that trend. It's not reversed it. That from 1990 to 2004, the number of unchurched people in America doubled. It doubled in 14 years. And that was 18 years ago. We don't have the 2020 census data yet for Johnson County fully, um, but we do know that our population went from 140,000 to about 161,000, I think it is. But in 2010, there were over 75,000 people in Johnson County alone who have no connection with a church, have no connection with a, um, with a faith, with Jesus. Over 75,000, and that was 12 years ago. God is calling us to step out in brave faith because our world needs Jesus and there's not enough churches. There's not enough ministries. Imagine 75,000 plus people pouring into the current churches in Johnson County. We're not ready for that. So how do we get ready? How do we move forward? Paul gives a beautiful, beautiful statement in Romans chapter 15. Paul says that my ambition has always been to preach the good news where the, where the name of Christ has never been heard rather than where a church has already been started by someone else. I mean, we talked about excuses that churches give for not starting a new work or not starting a new ministry or planning a church. But oftentimes we also get church planners who think, you know, if I do church with this little twist and maybe I get a little more, you know, grungy on this imagery and then I, you know, get a little more raucous in this way, you know, we'll be a cool version of church and, you know, we can reach other church people. That's not what this is about. There's 75,000 people just within our neighborhoods that we live in who don't know Jesus. And so like Paul, will we be able to say that we want to preach the good news where the name of Christ has never been heard? And we know in our culture, the name of Jesus has probably been heard, hasn't it? I mean, it's, it's a curse word. But do we know Jesus? Do, do the people of our neighborhoods, our communities, our workplaces, the places where we play, do they know Jesus? And so we believe that God is calling us out to step, to step out in brave faith, to be Jesus in every corner of our culture. We need to step out in brave faith. And so we've been talking about the Uncommons for a while, that the Uncommons is a missional marketplace ministry. There's three M words that, you know, what does that really mean? A missional community, somebody that's, that's trying to develop a community in our, or develop a missional movement within our community is looking to bring restoration, reconciliation, relationship, 
How do we connect faith to our community? You know, we talked earlier, we used the illustration of a bridge in, in that vision script, that we are bridging church with our culture. That unfortunately, over the last few decades, church and culture have grown further and further apart. And so how does, how does the church as an organization bridge Jesus into our culture? And that's what we're talking about with this missional marketplace type of ministry, that it's bridging Jesus to our culture, that it's an opportunity within the marketplace to employ those who are vulnerable. Um, we, had a, we had a pizza shop here in town at one point that was employing ex-cons and homeless people. That was their mission. And I think over 90% of their employees were from that walk of life. It's an opportunity to provide services or, or fill gaps or needs in our community where our people are hurting, where our people are in need. And it's a way for us to integrate faith and work together in a way that, that maybe our communities, our workplaces haven't seen before. So there's some churches around throughout the nation that are, that are experiencing some of these things. First off, in Florida, there's a, a network called the Tampa Underground. And what it is, is it's a, it's, it's a collection, a network of over 100 different um, house churches and what they're calling micro churches. That the average size of these communities is about 14, 15 people. Some of the largest are only about 30 or 40 people. And they've decided that what they want to center their movement around as a mission in their lives is three things. They believe that, they call it minimal ecclesiology. What is the minimum that we need to be able to do to be a church? What does the Bible say a church needs to do? That when we gather together, where two or three are gathered, and let's not forsake the gathering of the saints, what does it mean? What do we have to do? And they said it comes down to three things. The first is worship. The second is community. And the third is mission. Does that sound familiar? Worship, not what we do on Sunday, but what we do all 168 hours of the week is living like Jesus. Community is loving like Jesus. Mission is going like Jesus. And so minimal ecclesiology for them is to worship, to have community, and to have mission. And so they center their lives. Some are focused around a very specific mission, so there's one, um, one microchurch there in Tampa that is focused on the mentoring of young African-American women. And so if you are a part of, of that missional expression of the church, you are, you are focused on helping that mission of mentoring young African-American women. And some are focused more on a distributed model of, of mission that when their group, their house church, their microchurch comes together. They worship, they fellowship together, they hold each other accountable in the mission that they are going to do in their community. So maybe that's a, um, a youth football coach whose mission is to work with the youth in his community. Or maybe it's a, a teacher in their school. Maybe it's a businessman working out of a cubicle in an office somewhere. And they come together to worship and commune together so that they can go out into the world in mission. There's micro churches that have popped up in Tampa around some very interesting missions. We mentioned like a mentoring program 
a dance studio, a karate studio, organic gardening, teen, like crisis pregnancy for teens, and even microchurches that have formed around food, around neighborhood dinners, and an open table to their community. And just like Tampa, there's 14 other cities worldwide who are developing networks just like this. We've talked about the Post Commons in Alton, Illinois. Post Commons is a coffee shop that was given a, um, an abandoned post office there in town. And they've turned it into a co-working space and a business incubator for small businesses. They have an, um, a, a Middle Eastern immigrant who is atheist who began baking bread out of the Post Commons and began a small business through their relationship with the Post Commons. Initially, she said, no way. I will not be a part of a Christian. No, I, I'm not going to do it. But they won her over through love and grace. And she is now a part of their community, learning about Jesus as she bakes bread and supports her family. The Post Commons is part of a larger network there in Alton called the Lantern Network, which is a, uh, a network of about 15 different house churches and uh, micro churches as well. Everything from um, house painting and landscaping all the way up to aerobics and coffee and just some really cool things going on in their community as they share the name of Christ where it's not known. Birmingham, Alabama has a, a network called Common Thread. They have mentoring programs and um, landscaping programs as well. They even have a coffee farm in Laos that they participate with and that they help build business in a missional, even international setting. They have a house called the Yellow House. That's just what they call it. It's in a historic Birmingham neighborhood. That's a house, it's a mentoring place for young men who are transitioning from, from their teenage years into adulthood. Young men who maybe have heard the name of Jesus as, man, there is a great, great man that you need to know about. His name is Jesus. But these guys had no father figures. And so they have no standard of which, what does a great man truly mean? And so, what, who is Jesus? And so through this transition home, they have the opportunity to mentor and learn about what being a man of God, a family man, and having faith looks like in their lives. Another program in Birmingham is called Sons to Fathers. And it's a little, it's kind of similar that they are looking to take young men who grew up without fathers. It started as a group of guys in a neighborhood that decided, you know what, we could, we could put on a summer camp for these kids. And so they started with a little summer camp and that grew into a summer-long mentoring program that they run each year. And so these, these boys will come on Mondays and Tuesdays and they will shadow someone in their faith community. They'll go to their jobs with them. They'll go through their life with them, learning what it looks like to live with their faith in their lives. They get to learn some job skills like bike repair and landscaping. And they learn to find dignity coming out of a really rough background. And they understand how to live and love like Jesus, as men and as fathers. These are just a few of the stories that are taking place throughout our nation, throughout our world. There's some amazing expressions of faith happening in our communities. 
And so we believe here at New Hope that God is calling us to step out in brave faith, that he is calling us to develop an outreach to our community that is relevant to the everyday needs and the spiritual good of our community. And we need your help. We need your help. I mean, you know, there's, we've got a handful of people who are, who are definitely praying for this and working toward this and seeking this. But in, as part of our vision script, we said we would love to see 100 people within New Hope being champions for the uncommons, of serving, leading, developing, and promoting the uncommons in our community. So what does that mean? What is that, how, how can we help? So first off, if you're the type of person who just loves to get things done, that you've got a checklist and little boxes and you get a thrill out of check, check. Oh man, we are moving the needle on success. We're pushing the ball down the court. We need your help. <laughs> we would love some more people to come alongside us to help us research options, options in our community, to help develop communications. Uh, we have a new website that's um, gonna be launched, I hope, hopefully here in just in a matter of weeks. Um, and uh, we've been partnering with Crown Jewel, who is also helping rebuild the, the New Hope website. Um, but we need help with research. We need help with communications. We need help with organizing things and fundraising and grant writing and project management, event planning. All of these types of things are, are things that can help launch the uncommons in our community. But we also need you to help us develop some buzz in the community, to just talk about what's going on. The vision that God has given us, and we may not understand all of the intricacies of exactly how it's going to work, but we can open doors. I'm going to put my friend Jim Clark on, on the spot real quick. Sorry, Jim. I didn't tell you about this. A few weeks ago, Jim ran into a local business owner up near Indy, And when Jim walked into his restaurant, he went, huh, this is kind of like what the uncommons might be. He immediately came back, gave me a business card and said, we're going to go have lunch. And so once COVID is over in my family, we've already had to reschedule once, um, Jim and I are going to go up and Jim is introducing me to the business owner up there to understand a little bit more of how they opened and what they went through. And Jim is opening a door. He's championing the uncommons by creating an opportunity for a relationship or a partnership. If all you can do is just share every bit of social media news you find about the uncommons, great, do it. Help us build buzz in our community because we, we are all vision casters of this. But most of all, we need your prayers. We need you to pray because there's over 75,000 people who maybe have heard the name of Jesus, but they don't know the name of Jesus. Pray that we as a church can step out in brave faith and be a voice to some of those. We're not gonna be able to reach all 75,000 but we can reach some of them. And so God is calling us to be Jesus in every corner of our culture. We need to step out in brave faith. You know, when Jesus was looking for his 12 disciples, he called a couple of brothers, Peter and Andrew. They were fishing just off the shore of the Sea of Galilee. And Jesus looked out to them and, and he called to them and he said, come follow me and I will, I will show you how to build a church. Jesus didn't call his disciples to build a church. He called them to come and be fishers of men. So that is our challenge. Will we step out in brave faith? 
seeking to advance the cause of Christ in our community. Thanks for tuning in to the New Hope Church podcast. If you would do us a favor and like or subscribe on your favorite platform, we would really appreciate it. Also, if you happen to have any questions, feel free to reach out to us at questions at becomehope.com. Have a great week and know that we are praying for you as you seek to be Jesus in every corner of your world.